Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Professional boxing, it's a selfish sport. It has to be, because when that moment arrives, no one is there to help. It's just you, you and your dreams. No one dreamt more or gave more than this guy. But who is Danny Green? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Um, well, Andy, you just said that that's a question I've not been asked before and I haven't. Um, so I don't really, and you know me, I'm not, I'm rarely stuck for words. Yeah. Um, I don't know, mate. Um, I guess I'm just a, an ordinary cat who I probably just only realized now that I really, really, really love boxing because I, I, um, I, I, I sacrificed a lot and I persevered and I was extremely dedicated and extremely disciplined which I've never really been with anything else in my life. Wow. Boxing was probably the thing that um, probably saved my life. Probably, I don't, know, I don't know where it would have been if I hadn't had JD and had my first boxing fight. Um, I don't know where it would have been, mate. We first met in 2001, a few more greys perhaps, but you haven't changed as a bloke. I reckon that's pretty cool. Ah, cheers, mate. Um, I, I like to think that I'm just an ordinary cat, like I said, who found something that I love to do and I, I look at I look at it as being very blessed to be able to find something that I was given a gift at yep. and then to be able to channel that and pursue it. Um, but my old man, uh, you know, the, the one thing that left me was surround myself with good people. Yes. And so I surrounded myself with good people and, um, you know, was lucky enough to to pursue um, what something or other I really loved and, and was good at and that, I guess, changed my life and gave me such an incredible life, man. I was able to see the world. I was able to represent my country, the Olympic Games, the Commonwealth Games, and as a professional fighter all over the world and have, you know, a lot of people join me on that journey. I think, I don't know, using my journey, uh, you know, the the ride I was on, I call it more a ride. It was like a roller coaster ride. The Royal Show was fucking unreal. There were some ups and there were some downs. There were some highs and lows, but I was fortunate enough to bring a lot of people on that ride with me because I didn't want to go it alone. I'm in there on my own, mm. but I knew I had a lot of people around me supporting me and I didn't, and I was just so stoked that I had so much support and maybe, I don't know, my, 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 my normal, I guess, uh, everyday um, nature, that's who I am. I'm not anything special. I don't think I'm anything special. I think that resonated with the people that are able to identify that this is a bloke doing what he loves to do. He's pretty good at it. He works his ass off and he wants to win for us. Let's join him on the ride, and I was happy to bring them along. And I wanted people on that ride, mate. So I was so stoked to have that support and that love, mate. Because you know more than most people, Andy. You're in the stadium at my biggest fights, mm. 
and you were calling them, you had the front row seat, you had the best seat in the house. Apart from the referee and my opponent, you had the best seat in the house. And you could feel the love in the air when the the land down under kicks in. I'm not sure whether whether there was – for me, I've never been to a sporting um, spectacle like it. it was, and it sounds. I hope I'm, I don't sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but and it was pretty full on when you when the, when I walk in the stadium. There's that much support and love in the air. It was crazy. It's a common touch that you had, and not every athlete has it. But the general public, I thought, was able to identify with you really easily and really well. And that was what was important to Danny Green and the Australian public. You had that connection throughout your whole career. Yeah, it was. Um, I think when I turned pro, I used the song to come out to the ring, the land down on it for a minute. Work, yeah. but I chose that song at the Olympic Games in two thousand. I thought, and as amateurs, you know, you don't get the chance. To, there's no music, there's no ring girls, there's no Hollywood shit. It's just get out there, fight, get out. Next yeah. guys get in, fight, get out. And so they said, "What song do you want to choose? What song do you want to go out to the ring to?" When I was in my first fight, the Olympic Games, I thought, far out, what song could I use? Yeah. And I was on the spot. I was in the change rooms. So what song do I use? Oh, man. The young guys were using heavy metal, rap, hardcore music, all good music, but didn't really resonate with the crowd. It was a, you know, it was Darling Harbour. Yep. It was, you know, late at night. I was the only Australian fighting the night. They drained the bar dry, as Aussies do. So I chose the, the land down under from Men at Work, and it worked a treat. When, I, when, when the song kicked in, the roof nearly lifted off the stadium, and that's just a, that's the song I'm using for, for my whole career. And I think the Aussies, um, they love that. For me, it was really special to leave a mark and leave a memory with people that when that song kicks in, the people who went to our fights, a lot of them, you know, go, wow, I was at that fight that night and that song reminds me of it. So it's very cool. It was something very special. And I can say in all honesty, in 30 years of broadcasting, the hairs have never stood up on the back of the neck quite like being in Challenge Stadium at Perth in front of your family and your friends and your fans and men at work hits. It was off the fucking charts. <laughs> There's only five and a half thousand people in there, mate. And it just, that, that was a, it was a, just a, man, it was very, very undescribable. You had to be there. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's hard. It's sad for me that I can't show people and give the people the feeling they can see it, they can watch it, but they can't feel yeah. the atmosphere. They can't feel that that genuine. I don't know, man. That just that that euphoria that when yeah. the song kicked in, everyone just went bananas. It's like wow, it's so cool. Your mental strength, your mental toughness, is that inherited? Is it natural, or is it something that you were mindful of and you had to work very hard on? It's another tough question, Andy. I, I, I'd probably say that it's you're born with it. Yep. I don't. I, 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 you know, you read a lot and you, and you hear a lot of people's stories and I think um, resilience and mental strength um, can is obviously, um, what's the word, uh, developed. Yes. But for myself, um, I think I was born very, very, very determined and very stubborn and I didn't think, oh, I've got to do this. I just did it. I didn't think oh, I've got to be, I've got to mentally switch on here and do this. I just, I don't know, I just did it. But in other areas, I guess I switched off from other areas. And to channel into that fighter, you got to be pretty selfish, man, Andy. Yep. When you're a fighter, you got to be a, a selfish person. As far as you need to switch everything off around you, and hey, mate, how are you going? But really, you just got tunnel vision, and you've got to be um, very, very determined. You know, to be a, a, a top line fighter, you have to have a lot of determination, skill, obviously, and 
all the things, athletic attributes that go with that, but you have to have, um, I think your mental focus and your mental durability is the number one factor to success. That was for me anyway. Like when I look back and think that I had, I literally had a broken nose um, five weeks out from world title fights and had black eyes for four weeks before it. And the only reason my black eyes went away because I stopped sparring the week out and then take a broken nose into a fight, yep. broke my hand in the middle of a fight, broke my hand during a fight, broke my hand and fought, like, you know, my hand. Mm. I fought the whole professional career with that right hand. I did that in the Olympic Games. Um, you know, it was chronically painful. Yeah. Broken ribs, you know, I fractured a jaw and my nose um, the night before a fight as an amateur and fought the next night with it because I won the fight and then had to go on the next night. Wow. So, and that's, and they've got so many of those fractured eye sockets and, Yep. Covering up, putting steak over my eye, going to sleep with steak on my eye, wrapping a steak on me because an old wife's tail, put a steak over your eye, take the, the swelling and the blood out, just so I could just so I get the okay from the doctor the next day as an amateur to fight in an international tournament. Just so many stories where you know, Lance my own boils out of my armpit, cut my I cut a, a boil out of my own thigh. Cause if I sti- if they'd stitch it up, then there would be a massive hole in there. When they when they did it at that ass, you could see you could literally see the sheath of muscle and sinew inside all the flesh, oh. and then it, it was rad, you know. So all these things, all these stories, yeah. they're, they're so, and that and that comes down to. And I'm not special. There's lots of athletes and lots of humans that do. That's nothing compared to what some people do. But for yeah. me, I was able to just drill down on being, on being. A, I guess it was pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. I was quickly so I had a talk with. Um, Cricket um, Tasmania, Tasmanian cricket team the other day, um, uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, and I said they asked about mental strength. I said, you just if you really want to be the best and you want to continue to be the best, and you have got an injury that your doctor or physio might go, that's going to affect you in later life, and you may not be able to bowl when you're 40 years old or 50 yeah. years old. You might be able to do this. If you really want to do it, you'll go fuck it. I'm going to do it. I don't care what happens later in life. If you really want to do it, you'll just do it and face the consequences down the track. Are you doing mentoring now because of that? Mental toughness, that mental intensity that that is almost second nature to you, and do you, and do you enjoy the mentoring? Uh, yeah, I train a few, a few a few people, but I haven't got into full time training. I, I look forward to doing that when I've got a bit more time and yeah. and, and the resources. When I say resources, the fighters to do it. Yeah, you know, I get a hungry young fighter and 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 hopefully train him and develop help him develop what he's got, and then pass on what I've learned. Yeah, but. Just want to see someone else succeed and, and achieve their dreams and, and and do what I was able to do, and and if I can play a part in that, that excites me. That really excites me. And just sit in the background and go, "Fuck yeah, that's wicked." Yeah. Look at that bloke. Somebody love doing that. That excites me a lot. And hopefully, my marbles hang around long enough so I can do that. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend Series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. You were the most intense professional athlete I've crossed paths with. Was it a switch you could flick or was it a gradual build-up into that competitive state that you needed to be in? Because I guess the process for different individuals can and does vary. When you say, it's funny you say that, Andy, I get a lot of people go, you know, you're intense or you are intense, and I think I'm mellow. <laughs> you know, I think I'm yeah. like, fuck, I'm, I'm, cruisy. I'm, I'm, I'm a mellow dude, I'm cruisy. What do you, what did you, when you say, when you say intense, what did you mean, what do you mean by intense? In what way? 
you are very cruisy, you are very relaxed, there was a point in a preparation where you almost, in my opinion, glazed over and were so single-minded and so focused that nothing else was important and nothing else was registering to you. I guess um, press conferences and weigh-ins, mm. I, I could see why people go, man, if that's if, – if, if, person only ever met me at a press conference or a weigh-in before a fight, the day before a fight, they go, man, that guy's fucking, that guy's too much for me. Yeah. He's off his head. You know, I, I get that because that was the hardest part because you've been in training camp, you've been away from your family, you mm. put your body through torture, you've, you know, you've, you've, you've really rung, you know, rung the towel out as far as much out of your body as you can get and then you're going into battle the next night and there's so much pressure and with me being my company, Green Machine Boxing, promoting it, there was so much pressure because I was financially, um, you know, liable for yep. any, any losses. So the buck stopped with me, literally. Yeah. Um, and that pressure, but more so just the pressure. And then when you go into a press or a weigh-in, you get the scales, and everyone wants to get out. Oh, g'day, Granny. How you going, mate? How you going, buddy? Um, a long time no see. You might not have seen a guy for 10 years. G'day, mate. Oh, do you mind if I – let's have a chat, mate. Oh, do you want to get a cup of coffee? And you don't want to be rude, but you're like, you're popping. You're fucking jumping out of your skin. And there's got so much energy, plus there's so much pressure, and you're trying to contain it, and you just want to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And so, I, I, I hope to, if anyone listens to that, then they did see me in a presser or a way, <laughs> and they go, Man, "That guy's rude as fuck." I'm sorry, but you probably don't. You, 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 unless you did it, you'll never understand. It was hard. So I understand more people would see I'm intense. And then when the fight time, yeah, when it comes to fighting, yeah, uh, once I get once I got in that ring, yeah. I like to have a smile on my face. I remember once, I think I was fighting Flores, BJ Flores, yeah. and then there was a bit of ice in the ground, and I kicked the ice out. It was about round eight, and I kicked the ice out, and then it went ringside because I kicked it towards my nephew who yep. was helping the hard girls in and out. And I kicked it towards him, and it landed in his lap, and I was going for him. And then the round eight's about to start. We're off our feet, and the bell's gone. I've gone boom and looked at him and laughed. And then giving it the goals, like kick the goal, oh, and you picked it up. You, yeah. know? you picked it up. You, you, yeah, Greeny's got it. You, you, you always picked up the fucking silly shit that I did. But um, you know, in between that intenseness, I always tried to like to have a bit of a wink or see my yeah. mate. I'd do something to just because I wanted to enjoy what I was doing as well. Sixteen straight wins as a professional. Your first sixteen, all inside the distance by KO or TKO. What do you consider your first real challenge as a boxer? First one. Waka first Kola one was Uso. Yeah, you know, it was. It, I took care of him, um, you know, fairly comfortably. But it was just, you know, I'd, I'd come out of the Olympic Games and I'd moved to Sydney. I didn't know anyone. I was out at Bankstown, Bank, Bankstown Sports Centre and yep. didn't really know people. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of – there wasn't so much pressure on me from anyone else because, you know, no one really knew what I was going to do. They didn't know the potential that I possibly had. Um, but I put a lot of pressure on myself and okay. I – I just, I just, there was so much pressure on me personally. It was like, you know, it was pretty nerve wracking. Mm. People don't, I, I don't, I've not really said this much, but I turned pro. Um, obviously, I wanted to win a world title, but I turned pro. My, my motivation to turning professional was um, to try and get 30 or 40K together, yeah. to win an Australian title and get 30 to 40K together over <laughs> my career, save that up, and then um, put a deposit down the house and go back and work as a carpenter and, and buy my trade and, and, and yep. pay my house off. That, that was my that was my motivation for turning pro. Really, the world titles was all a fucking pipe dream. Yeah, it was all yeah. yeah. We all, we all want to do it as fighters, but was it realistic? I didn't know. So, you know, I really wanted to get a, a, off off to a good start. And then probably the next the next big pressure fight was 
um, against Paul Smallman, the doctor. Yeah. That was a step up in class, wasn't it? You know, he, he, he'd lost a few fights, but he'd been in there with a lot of really tough guys. Oh, and yeah. Paul Smallman, he was a hard man. Yep. He taught me so much. I, I'll never forget that fight. I put him on in the eighth round and we punched on after round, round six, and he's a tough, hard man and he loves it. And, yep. and I got a lot of respect for the bloke. And I learned so much from him in that fight. But for me to beat him, you know, Roy Jones was ringside. Yep. He was sitting ringside in that fight. And, um, you know, I really had to perform. And I really wanted to win, and I, and I won in a really, really good fight. He, he gave it to me. I gave him. He nearly dropped me. I dropped him, then put him in round eight. But it was a good scrap. Yep. But it was a lot of pressure to be victorious because I was a main event. Jeff had put the pressure on me, but give me the main event shot, which was great. But um, yeah, it, that was probably the next, the biggest step up for me at that stage. And then probably the next one would have been Delisle out at um out of um Penrith under the tent. Everyone thought he was going to knock me out, and I, I was confident I was going to take out the Nader. And we put on a good show while it lasted. You certainly did, and very shortly after that was Marcus Bayer in Germany, a really underrated boxer, and at the time the WBC World Super Middleweight Champion. You'd made it. You'd lived a dream. You were fighting for a world title, but then that dream was shattered in an instant and controversially. I'll let you take up the story. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it was it was very, very... Uh very disheartening and heartbreaking. Oh. And, yeah, I wasn't given a chance. He, he was he was a two-time champ at that stage. He'd, he'd won his title back. Um, he knocked out Richie Woodall to get the title originally from England. And then I think that was the thing. And then he um, he fought – he lost it to someone and then he fought Eric Luca and won it back off Eric Luca. Yep. And fight before us in controversial fashion, apparently. We watched the fight. It was, could have gone either way. It was a very close fight. And then – I had the, they, they picked me out of the top 10. They thought, you can choose anyone in the top 10 because it was a voluntary defense. It wasn't a, a mandatory, meaning I wasn't a number one. I was top 10. Yep. And they could choose anyone in that top 10 fight, uh, in the top 10 rankings. And they looked at the rankings and thought, we'll choose that bloke there. He's from Australia. Angelo had a, had a good relationship with their then matchmaker back in the day who's passed away. I can't remember his name now, but, you know, Angelo Hyder, he knows everyone in boxing. He does. And, um, and he's a professor at that. And, uh, he, um, they, they got the fight and they chose me, 16 fights, 16 KOs, never gone past eight rounds. We'll take him in a deep water. should be an easy fight. And so um, they got to be shocked when round one, I, uh, I, 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 I took him off his feet. He actually lifted off his feet. But before that, it was probably about five days out and I was doing pads with Fennec and, Hange, and obviously H was there. And we are doing pads and I was hitting the pads so sharp. And I remember H turned to Fennec in between one of the rounds and said, hey, Jeff, He's gonna. He's he's he can really outbox this guy because we were relying on my strength, power, and you know, ruggedness to, to to do the job yep. in against a really experienced guy. Yep. And then H said to Fennec, I never forget. He said, "Mate, Granny, you you can outbox this bloke. Your jab and your boxing skills really stepped up this preparation. Don't underestimate your your boxing ability. You're gonna you're gonna box this guy's fucking ears off." And and that gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. And so I took that in, and then yeah, man, I just marched that guy down and just. Just gave it to him and just took, never took a back step. And I think my mindset in a lot of my fights was, I've got nothing to lose. I'm, in a, I'm here in a big fight. If I get knocked out, so be it. That's that's the way she goes. But I want to go out swinging. Yep. And so um, you know, I felt really, really composed. Um, and and yeah, the 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 fight itself, I couldn't have gone better. It was. I just gave it to the guy. Dropped him round one. Dropped him round two. Opened him up in round two. Should have been called off in round three. Anywhere yes. else in the world, it would have been stopped after round. Three definitely, maybe even round two. Yep. 
gave it to him round four. Then round five, we clashed heads and, you know, he had a bad cut, a massive cut already by my punch. And I kept working it, kept working it. And then I've gone, he was southpaw, I've gone to throw a left hook. And unfortunately, our heads clashed, but my head never, ever went near his eye, anywhere near his eye. And But because it, it looked like it was pretty intense and he was, we were both, the referee was covered in his blood. Yep. It was a, it was a pretty gory scene and I've hit him with a left hook and my intentions were, were, were proven because I hit him with the left hook mm. and then I've thrown the uppercut after and it whistled past his face. The uppercut hit him, mate, his head would have landed in the crowd. Yeah. And so my intentions were, were, were clear that it was a punch, but we clashed heads. Was I reckless? Was I a bit careless? Possibly, yeah. I don't think so, really. Not really in the scheme of things. Any other fight, it happens every time. So they took 11 minutes. I was ahead on all scorecards by a mile. And then the doctor from the the referee said, um, Bill Clancy, who's a who, who was a who was a fucking cretin, he got stood over by the referee, by the crowd, by the guys in the trench coats, and they're sitting next door. Um, you sit in the front row, um, who were with Sourland, the promoter. And um, eleven minutes after the referee told everyone on TV, we're going to the scorecards. The foul was not flagrant enough for me to disqualify the offending fighter. He then overturned it because the doctor said, no, no, we've got a rule here and that's it. And so I was disqualified and I lost the world title. And it was, um, yeah, very, very, very disheartening, mate. I was just shattered. But then I put it into perspective real fucking quick. I got home to Australia. My daughter was there to meet me at the airport. Chloe was there. We had food on the table. We had no leaks in the roof, mate. Everything was good. I lived in Australia. I was like, you know what? And I actually spoke to myself. I said, harden the fuck up and don't whinge yep. and just get on with it. You could be living in, you know, you could be in in, in, in Syria or somewhere where, yeah. where so many people are just, their lives are shattered through through conflict, through no fault of their own, mate. It makes me makes me sad to think of that. So I'm like, mate, you got nothing to complain about. Harden the fuck up and move on. And that was how I dealt with it. It was really easy to deal with. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. It's the one thing I hate about boxing. I can't get over it, and it continues on until even last weekend. The corruption, the bribery, the bullshit, the favouring, and it is doing the sport as a whole no favours whatsoever. Yeah, it, last weekend's decision against Andrew Maloney was was disgraceful. Yep, it was despicable. It was thirty minutes. They deliberated for thirty minutes over a no-brainer, and the the Nevada State Athletic Commission, the arrogance of their arrogance was was so bad. They they made a mistake by calling it. They allowed the referee to call it. They allowed the referee to stick by it. And then after that, they're like, no, nah, we can't change our mind. We're going to stick by this because we'll have egg on our face. Yep. And they cost a world title. And now they're talking about a rematch. There should be no rematch. Andrew Maloney is a two-time champion. Yes. He he won his world title back after losing it in, a, in, a, in an incredible effort. And he should be that, – that guy, Joshua Franco, should no longer be in Andrew Maloney's life mm. unless he comes back and they want to unify down the track. He's done and dusted. And that chapter's done. And now he has to possibly do it again. It's so unfair. It's wrong. I mean, when you get Helen Mirren, 
who was an elderly English actress, yes. tweeting how bad the decision was, mate, you know it's fucking dirty. Mate, six months after your trip to Germany, and I admit this is still one of the most alarming scenes I've witnessed, a combination of adrenaline, dehydration and stress, heat stress caused you to basically go into a state of delirium after a fight, 48 degrees in the venue, a 12-round fight that you won, but you actually thought you'd lost. You were that out of whack. We look back and giggle now, but, wow, it could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah, man, I was I was close to, 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 to being in serious yeah. trouble uh, brain-wise. Um, it was... It was oh, that was because I won the title after Bayer. I went and won the title against Luca over in Montreal, yep. and then that was that was my next fight after that. And Sean Sullivan, um, he'd fought Mundine. Fennec thought it'd be a good idea to fight Sean Sullivan because he'd gone ten rounds with Mundine. So we're trying to chase down the Mundine fight. Jeff was Jeff was just hell bent on getting that fight with Mundine, and it made sense for me as well. Financially, it was a good fight, and everyone in Australia wanted to see it. it started bubbling over then, so. They got um they got uh, Sean Sullivan out and he's a very hard man. But yeah. a week before the fight, about eight days before the fight, I was still in Sydney training. I woke up one morning. No, it was about 11, 12 at night. And I woke up out of bed. And I was like, my throat was swelling. My my tongue was getting swollen. I started my breathing started getting a bit weird. Like fuck, I only lived down the road from the hospital. So I did what most blokes do. Jumped and had, jumped in the shower and had a warm shower. I thought that'll fucking fix it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. Didn't work, so I said to Nancy, I'm going to have to take myself to hospital because I'm, I'm feeling really, really weird here. So I drove myself to hospital. I just didn't, 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 didn't bother fucking doing anything. Just jumped, get the keys, drove down the road. They looked at me and went, oh, shit, so come, we're going to get you an emergency because my face started going, my throat, everything started swelling up. Wow. Look, I've been done by a swarm of wasps. And then um, what happened is I, they knocked me out and then 7 o'clock the next morning I got out of hospital and um, I had a, they said that I had an anaphylactic reaction to either a bug, a bite, food, something. What it was, they didn't know. And they said, you're going to have to have do all these tests to find out what it was. They knocked, gave me a shitload of Finergan and knocked me out, bowled me over and let mm. me recover. And then um, and then that, that same morning, I got out of the hospital at 7 o'clock in the morning. About 10.30, I'm jogging past the hospital doing my, net, my, my morning jog. Yeah. That's what we do, man. Yeah. And so um, and the next day, I flew to Perth and had the fight. So I was physically, I felt okay, but there was obviously a lot of, there was, a lot, there was problems going on and I hadn't recovered Um whether whatever it was, I hadn't recovered from it probably. Mm. But it was forty when, when we fought at um, it was March twenty three two thousand and four. I remember the date. It was forty three degrees outside oh. at four thirty p.m. So four thirty p.m. in Perth was forty three degrees, unseasonally hot day. Yeah. And inside the stadium, remember the air conditioning broke down for the last for two hours before the fight. There was no aircon. Yeah. So when I got in the ring, yeah, forty eight degrees would have been is a very very fair assumption to say in the ring under those incredibly hot lights because it's 43 degrees outside in the fucking room, in the, in the shade, yep. let alone inside a sweating hot stadium. So we got in there and I went to it and Jeff just wanted me to bowl him over, knock him out, make a statement. Yep. Obviously my power and my strength wasn't as good as it could have been because of what I'd been going through. Um, credit to Sean Sullivan, he ate a lot of leather and he gave me some leather back. But I won the fight comfy, but he made me work for it. Yes. Tough, tough motherfucker, mate. Yeah. Great guy, Sean Sullivan. Very hard man. I don't remember much of the fight. So I was basically just cooking from the inside. I was marinating. Oh, oh, the only thing missing was a bit of alcohol. And so um, I was marinating, mate, and then I didn't realise what was going on. And then as soon as the bell went to end the fight, I just fucking staggered, and that was it. So mentally I kept going. Yeah. Subconsciously I heard the bell and I nearly fell over, and I realised the fight's over, my job's done here. 
don't know what's going on. Then I started vomiting in the corner and just went fucking loopy. Yeah. Eyes rolling back of my head and I was the colour of a sheet, of a white sheet. And because I thought what happened, Andy, is I heard all this noise, kind of like a, and then I kind of came to. Yeah. Must have been three or four minutes later, I came to and the crowd was screaming and cheering. And I thought, wow, I've just been knocked out because I don't remember anything and I've come to. I thought I've been knocked out unconscious wow. and I'm awake now and the crowd is screaming at me. I'm going, fuck. How good are these people? I've just been knocked out and they're still screaming for me. I love you guys. I thought I lost the fight. I thought I'd been knocked out. I had no idea. So that's what the interview was about. People thought I was being silly or taking the piss. No. I thought I'd been knocked out. I had no idea what was going on and I was just gaga, mate. I said, yeah, there'll be a rematch. Sean, you're a warrior, but I'm coming back for you, mate. I'm coming back and I'll do it and the next time I win and rah, 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 because I was just, I was fucked up. Yeah. And, um, the only thing that got me to hospital and then, and then I now know through speaking and doing my own, you know, knowing more about dehydration, I got really aggressive in the, in the, in the change rooms. No one could get me to hospital. I got really aggressive. I kind of, you know, like everyone come near me. I was like, don't come near me. I'll, and I, I actually, actually said to my dad who, you know, me and my father's yeah. relationship they came near me and I remember getting wild and going, dad, I'm going to knock you fucking out. Don't wow. you come near me. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty scary. I yeah. thought, and talk about it now, you know, Dad never took offence because he knew I was really sick. Yeah. And I was really under the weather. No one could get me in hospital. Then I collapsed. I remember I collapsed again. Or when I collapsed, I just had to lie down because I couldn't move. And Nina said she thought smart. This is like 10 minutes. We're trying to get me to go to hospital. And then she said, Chloe's waiting at the hospital for you. Let's go. I went, okay, bang. Chloe's waiting for me. Let's go. Got up, went to hospital, and that's it. So then... She thought smart. She's always a smart thinker, Nina. She's not that fucking smart being with me. But anyway, um, <laughs> so that was it. That was that story there. But in a recovery, I didn't fight for about another four or five months mm. after that. And, um, yeah, I was very, very lucky not to have caused right then and there some serious damage. I was very – the doctor said you're, you're extremely close to being in a very, very serious state. Another round, I think I would have been fucked. Yeah. Yeah, fair assessment. The early part of your career, you were with Jeff Fennick. You were trainer and athlete, mentor, protege. You were also mates. How hard was it splitting with Jeff Fennick after so long together and so many memories together? Yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy decision to make emotionally, but it was a very simple decision to make for my career. Yep. So I mean, that's where I was torn between making the decision, but I had to make the decision. And, and, I, and, and you know, Jeff, mate, People who know Jeff know that let's. Yeah, Jeff can be a very complicated character, mm. and um, I, I left that relationship with my head held very, very high. So that's all I'll say about it, mate. I, I, I had some fantastic memories, um, and we we won the Super Middleweight World Title together. And my career, you know, was given a, an, an injection, um, you know, through the media, through Jeff's contacts, and and. You know, when you turn pro with Jeff and you start being successful and the media jump on board as well, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's very savvy and good at, at attracting media attention, et cetera. Um, but there was just so much going on outside. And, and, and I was, I mean, there's, there's so many things I could go into. I won't go into it, mate, but I left that relationship and I, and I have some beautiful memories, some incredible memories. You know, growing up watching him, you know, fighting and just idolising the bloke and then to be fighting under him and then winning world title with him and, you know, traveling the world around, it's like far out, it's like a dream come true. But in the end, it become, it just become too difficult and um, my career and my health was kind of going down that way because my fighting was 
probably not. I wasn't fighting the way I should have been fighting um, you know, as a super middleweight, light heavyweight. Um, and uh, we, we we split, um, and it was just unfortunate, I guess. You know, Jeff um, didn't really have many positive things to say, and hasn't really had many positive things to say, um, you know, about me um, since that day, um, and which is really unfortunate um, on his behalf. Because I think he lets himself down when he when he says those things. Because people who know what happened, every, a lot of people know what happened and how it went down. Um, and there's many things they don't know as well that I've never, you know, that I would never talk about. Mm. And, and I left that relationship with my head held extremely high. Do you think you'll sit down one day with Jeff in years to come and have a chat? Would that be nice? Would that be a full circle type thing? Um, Jeff rang me uh, when my father passed away because he knew how close we were, and um, you know he rang me and passed his condolences on. So. You know, that was, um, you know, I, I respect that and respected that. And, and I rang Jeff and just to check on him when he was very sick and just to make you okay and just have a chat to him. And there'll always be, there'll always be, you know, that, that, that respect there that I'm going to have for what we did together and what I was able to do as a professional fighter and, and the, the, um, you know, the, the introductions and, and, and the career that I had when I was with Jeff. I'll always love that, mate. There's some really, really unfortunate and, and forgettable times in there as well. But, I just, I just wish that Jeff would, um, you know, would, would uh, what's the word? I don't know. Maybe, maybe over time, his bitterness um, towards yeah. life in general, in some aspects, um, hopefully that changes and softens a bit. But yeah, I, you know. I, I'm, but like I said, man, I, I still, I still, I, I, I just don't rip the guy. I don't say anything. I just keep my mouth shut because that's how I am, mate. And um, I'm happy with that. I'm happy being that person that just moves on and moves forward and and, and kind of rise above that kind of stuff, mate. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered, and it's Prize Week. The first 10 people to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot and email us, win an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yep, 10 hats to be given away this week. It's that easy. Simply leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it, and then email it to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Ten hats to be given away. What are you waiting for? This has been episode one of three of the Danny Green story. We hope you're enjoying it. Coming up, the night he shocked the world and his concerns, his very real concerns. That's next on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Come back soon. Legends. Legends.